Welcome to Episode 10 of the Farm Exec Podcast. I'm Michelle Miscali, Senior Editor of Farm Exec Magazine. Hey, everyone. I'm Kristen Harm, Associate Editor of Farm Exec Magazine. For those of you joining us for the first time, Pharmaceutical Executive Magazine is a multimedia publishing brand that brings you the latest commercial insights for the C-suite. So, Kristen, what are we talking about in this episode? Well, Michelle, today we have one of PharmExec's emerging pharma leaders, Sabina Ewing. She's Vice President of Business Technology at Pfizer, and she's here to talk about mentorship and sponsorship with us. Yeah, Sabina is really interesting. She has some really great advice for anyone in pharma at pretty much any level of her of their career. Um, she's had a really interesting career, and she does a lot to really give back and help others within the industry. Let's take a quick break and then be back with Sabina. Hey, Michelle, have you gotten your nominations in for PharmaDex Emerging Pharma Leader yet? Oh, no, I keep forgetting. I can't ever remember the link. Oh, no worries. The link's really easy. It's just pharmexec.com slash leaders 2018. 2018 like the year? Yep, 2018 like the year. Go to the page right now and nominate yourself or someone else. Awesome. I will do it right after this podcast. Hi, podcasters. Today we have the pleasure of speaking with Pfizer's Vice President of Business Technology, Sabina Ewing. I recently spoke with Sabina for a PharmaSec article in our April issue, um, and we talked about diversifying the C-suite, and I thought that she'd be a really great um, candidate for our listeners to glean some insights from. So welcome, Sabina. Thank you so much. And first of all, thank you for the invitation to engage with your listeners. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you've got some good information for them, so we're happy to be able to pass it on. All right, I'll live up to that title. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about yourself for the listeners? Sure. So I have been a technology practitioner for almost 25 years, and um, I started my career in um, consulting, doing uh, technology consulting at Arthur Anderson many moons ago, and then really have spent um, the last 20 years um, focused on delivering technology strategy and solutions, and that's pretty much what I do also now at Pfizer, where I am responsible for our corporate functions, think HR, legal, corporate affairs, and the systems um, associated with supporting those divisions, as well as some of our enterprise services, think the service desk, Um, all of the virtual meeting and collaboration capabilities that you need to deliver to an enterprise with 150,000 users. And then I always like to throw in the systems tied to corporate aviation. So it's a a bag of interesting capabilities. I'm also a mom of two young daughters, uh, eight and two, and a New Yorker by way of St. Lucia, um, specifically a Brooklynite. I grew up in Brooklyn. So hopefully that gives a little taste of the variety that represents the background I bring to what I do. If you're a regular listener to our podcast, this could actually seem like it's a trend lately, but we have another farm exec podcast first. 
In Episode 8, we had our first CFO, and now I am super excited to share that, Sabina, you are our first farm exec emerging pharma leader to join us on the podcast. So for those of you who don't know, every year, farm exec needs an elite group of up-and-coming executives as emerging pharma leaders. Sabina, you were part of the 2016 class of EPLs, I believe. What was your reaction when you found out that you were selected? Well, I mean, first of all, I was surprised. And I and I really was appreciative of the recognition um, of the work that I'd been doing, both within Pfizer and Pharma and in the community. Um, I was, Like I said, I was surprised, mostly because, you know, it's not something that you're paying attention to. You know, your fo- my focus is on you know, executing and doing what I think is best and, and, you know, playing to win, being my best. But when you get these types of recognitions, it's certainly a nice experience as well as an affirmation as to how you're contributing and having impact. So neither of us were actually at PharmExec um, at the time of your profile, but our European editor, Julian, I think you spoke with. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. You got into the pharma industry at the suggestion of a friend, and at one point um, you were a fifth grade teacher, and I'm, I'm just, uh, we're a little interested to hear more about that journey. Also, for our listeners, if you want, you can find uh, Julian's EPL article on our website if you just search Sabina's name. Well, it's been an interesting journey. So I mentioned that I had started my career working at Arthur Anderson doing technology consulting, and quite frankly, you know, when you're constantly on an airplane and you're you're focused in, and it's a great way to start your career because it provides a variety of um, opportunities and experiences, Um, but I felt like I wanted to contribute more to society in terms of of impact because I felt like I was having great impact on my clients from a, you know, results perspective and budgetarily, but, you know, broader society. So I explored what were some of the things that were some options. I was looking at a PhD and teaching at the collegiate level, but then the New York City Teaching Fellows Program was pretty high in, in at the time in terms of trying to recruit professionals to bring into underserved schools or schools that were hard to staff. And so as a New York City kid who'd been a public school beneficiary of a public school education, I decided to put my hat in the ring and become a fifth grade or an elementary school teacher. And then I ended up teaching fifth grade in the South Bronx. Interestingly enough, I only did it for a year. You know, at the time, the program was two years commitment, and you were they were paying for you to get your master's um, in, in, in this case, in elementary education. However, after going through my first year, um, which was an extremely challenging year, and so I won't dive into that, but nevertheless, you know, I was committed to making sure that I spent that year with the, the students that I had because I didn't want to, you know, leave them mid-year because that, that impacts their education. And truthfully, while I loved the children, I just couldn't, you know, some of the, the things underway systematically just did not align with my own core values in terms of you know, constant pursuit of excellence. And so I figured while I chose to leave after the first year of of teaching, I've spent the last number of years making sure that I connect back into students and young people in New York City in order to advance individuals into STEM professions. But I will tell you, you know, 
someone who is type A, who's, you know, always uh, playing offense, going out, this was one of the first times in my career where I felt like I hadn't achieved the thing that I set out to do. And in the immediate term, that was how I felt. I felt like, oh, wait, I thought I was going to be a school teacher and, you know, become a principal. And while I probably could have stuck it out, it just wasn't working for me, and so I decided that I was going to go back into business. I will tell you, that experience is one of the best things that happened to me to propel me to where I am today because I had been risk-averse prior to um, becoming a school teacher, and once I made that substantial you know, took that risk and became that school teacher. And while it didn't work quite the way, work out quite the way I had expected, it allowed me to really realize how much was within me to take risks and what's the worst thing that can happen and be able to, um, you know, leverage that in my career because that's how I've gone forward and sort of raising my hand for um, initiatives and, and taking on some of the riskier um, projects or opportunities um, within enterprises. Sabina, I love that story. There's like so many life lessons just in that one story. Um, and actually, it goes right into my next question for you. Because when I was reading your ETL profile, this quote really stuck out. So I'm going to read, read this is what you told Julian. When you go through a transition, you can become a number. So I raised my hand and asked if I could be on the integration activity, be in on the integration activity. I ventured into a space I hadn't been in before and took on a program that other people were running away from. Again, there's just so many lessons right there as well. And with, with so many MNEs happening these days, I think that's a great example of how to embrace what can sometimes become a really difficult time for some people. But in your case, it actually helps you find a mentor too. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So I had left American Express and joined Wise Pharmaceuticals at the time, and um, I was new, right? And there are people who had been there for a very long time. And so while I was building my personal brand, building my relationships, et cetera, I was still sort of new in the game. And, you know, it's important that we're always looking at, you know, the proverbial reading the tea leaves, what's occurring. And quite frankly, when you're being acquired, it's really important for you to um, feel and remain in control of certain things that occur rather than having things happen to you. And so for me, um, as I shared with Julian in the quote, I had, you know, I felt like in order for you to stand out, you have to raise your hand. And in raising my hand and saying, you know, put me in, coach, it really allowed me to demonstrate my capabilities. Rather than someone seeing my me as a number in a list and someone saying, okay, well, you know, typically in acquisitions you'll have a discussion top to top on talent. Rather than someone necessarily seeing me as, as a number, they actually could see me in action. And so that in and of itself allows you to differentiate yourself as well from others because it's a risk. Right? When you raise your hand and you put yourself out there um, to demonstrate it's a risk. Uh, and, and the reward in, in this instance was that I was able to showcase my capabilities. I was able to then, uh, because I knew there was somebody on the other side who did exactly what I did and did it really well, and so how can I create you know, an opportunity for myself to keep going. And if nothing else, if it doesn't work out, at a minimum, I'd put my, you know, my hat in the ring, I'd run out, and I'd played the best that I could in order to win. And so that, by virtue of 
the experience and then raising my hand again to take on work that, by the way, it wasn't just taking on work that others were running away from. It was taking on work that was important to the integration, right? So it's important to also recognize those opportunities that provide visibility. And so this particular initiative that folks were running from that I raised my hand for was a very visible role that provided direct access not only to the most senior leadership in the company, but was of significant consequence um, for, for folks in terms of commitments and results. And so, again, you know, you've always got to do your work exceptionally well. And by, by doing that, you, you know, folks see you. And for really good leaders, they're always looking at who do I need on my team and what's the talent that I want in the fold. And it is through those um, two specific experiences that led me to my work with our uh, chief information officer. And he'd been the chief information officer at Wyatt, but, and I'd interviewed with him to get my job, but I hadn't really spent much time with him. And, you know, in, in sitting down with him and him seeing my capabilities, he was, you know, someone he wanted on his team. You know, after those experiences, I became his chief of staff, and then subsequently, you know, I've, I've been a part of his leadership team ever since. And so it's important, and he's been a great mentor and sponsor, um, but it's really important to be able to provide yourself with those opportunities, you know, take advantage, I should say, of those opportunities where there's, a, you know, you could be visible um, and have impact uh, for your organization. That's ridiculously good leadership advice, um, and it, it works right into our next question, actually, because we know that mentorship and sponsorship are really important to you, and, you know, you and I spoke about it in depth for the April Talent issue. For listeners, you can find that issue on page 24 of our April Print and Digital Edition, but, um, you know, maybe, Sabina, you could explain the difference between mentorship and sponsorship and why it's really important to you for, for the listeners. Certainly. So hopefully a simplified definition is a mentor provides you with advice, with guidance, helps to be a good sounding board for you as you look at career options, career development whereas a sponsor is someone who is expending their personal equity in order to help you advance. And they can be one and the same or mutually exclusive. So that sponsor doesn't have to be your mentor, it doesn't have to be your buddy, but someone that recognizes and uses their equity, saying, you know, I, I believe in this person and help actually move you and create opportunities that relative to your career that lead to either advancement or new experiences. So hopefully that's a good, simple way to articulate the difference between sponsorship and mentorship. For me, it's really important because, you know, there are a lot of, and I think I shared this in, in you know, in the article in April, there are a lot of mentorship programs. And mentorship is really important because it allows you to leverage the experiences um, and the advice of others and the guidance so you can formulate and frame out, you know, actions that you take, perspective that you develop and gain and insights. But equally important is sponsorship, right, because you can be mentored out and not see that movement because the relationships that you build 
and the brand, I'll call it, that you have is essential to a sponsor saying, I believe that Michelle has these outstanding capabilities. We need to put her in that opportunity. And by the way, you may not have the skills necessary for it, but I'm going to take that chance, right, in air quotes, on you because I see this great potential in you. And I think for people to advance, especially, um, you know, one of my passions is about the advancement of women and people of color within the enterprise and diversity and inclusion um, more broadly, it's really important that you have sponsorship so people get the opportunity to be pulled up and to, to move into places that allow them to demonstrate their full potential. So having been the recipient of a strong mentor relationship yourself, how does that help you mentor and sponsor other people? It's to me for at least now in my career, it's a bit of table stakes because it's really important as I look back and I say, okay, now as you start thinking about legacy, you know, what's that impact? What's that legacy? How would you have made a difference? You know, I think it was Oprah Winfrey who once said that you have to give back in order to move forward. And so for me, that mentorship is leveraging all those lessons that I've learned through the years, all the things that I've seen, the experiences, sort of my, you know, what encompasses my um, understanding such that I can parlay that um, to others. And truthfully, they get to make their own choices, their own decisions, but I think it's my way of making sure that um, with every encounter and with the people that I, you know, meet or the people that I mentor, the people that I work with, that I am, you know, conveying what I've learned so that it's not just sitting in, you know, my head and for my benefit, but that it allows others the opportunity um, to, you know, reach their potential and seek out whatever their aspirations are. That's really great. Thanks, Sabina. Um, mentors and sponsors' roles are not always easy, though, sometimes. Um, sometimes you have to be, you know, realistic with the person you're mentoring when it comes to career goals or skills they might be lacking for a job that they're desiring. So for our listeners who might be in that situation, what advice would you give them on how to handle tough discussions like that? So at the core of those discussions has to be trust. It's one thing for people to convey an opinion. It's another thing for you to be receptive um, on it because you trust either through your, you know, yourself or that that person has your best interest at heart. I think what's really important in handling those discussions in addition to trust is being genuine and having both parties believe that there is a sincerity around making sure that it's in the best interest of the other person. And my personality is one, I told you I'm from Brooklyn, is to be fairly straightforward. And I think that uh, what's important is not just, you know, telling people like it is in a mean-spirited way, but that, it, you know, similar to how I think of it, you know, as a mother, you know, as, you know, when I look at my children and when I talk to them, you know, you do it because you earnestly want the best for them. And so similarly, I would say, not saying that this is about mothering, it's more about making sure that um, in the conversation you're respectful. In the conversation you find the right words that are direct but are compassionate and mindful that everybody, you know, is a human being and has feelings 
And truthfully, people don't remember necessarily what you say or what you do. I think Maya Angelou said, it's how you made them feel. And so as part of those transparent and those tough discussions, it's really about making sure that it's done thoughtfully and it's done with compassion to make sure that that person understands that it is, in fact, in their best interest. And in the moment, they may not listen. And in the moment, they, you know, folks might be resistant to that feedback. But if that person is honest and self-aware, then they will be reflective and absorb the information. The other consideration is, quite frankly, um, just like you and I, you know, might take something that someone says, you know, they, they have five points and you only agree with one, you know, it's incumbent on each person to make those choices, and thus those choices become what you choose to do going forward. So I think trust, compassion, and thoughtfulness are really essential to having those tough discussions. Cool. Uh, let's just switch gears a little bit. We know that you're involved with a variety of leadership organizations, so can you speak a little bit to that and why you encourage others to volunteer their time in similar capabilities? Sure. So I think it's important, um, time management is, is, you know, people have been talking about that forever, and so I'm, uh, I think you find, not to spread yourself thin, but find a thing or things that you are passionate about. Um, I believe that, as I mentioned a little earlier, in terms of the lasting impact that you have um, is a bit almost uh, based on, you know, how you impact and affect others. And so I encourage others to find that passion. What is that area that you're really good at or you want to learn more about or you feel like there's an opportunity to make a difference in the broader society? And then you spend the time doing that because, Time is not only precious, it's priceless, right? Warren Buffett said, I can buy everything in the world, but the one thing I cannot buy is time. And so picking where you spend your time is really important and making sure that you're uh, passionate about it helps so that you can, in fact, not only um, impact, you know, have an impact for yourself because there's always constant learning that occurs through whatever activities that you're doing, but also, you know, leaving something behind and helping others along the way. And you, quite frankly, never know the impact that you're having um, on another person. You know, it's something that I learned as a school teacher. You go through the experiences with, with students and you think truthfully in the moment when you're, you know, working with them, they're not necessarily receiving what you're sharing or, or telling them in that moment. And then at the end of the year, there's an amazing moment that you realize, wow, I've had this impact. And so I encourage others to volunteer because I think every single one of us has these learnings, experiences, skills, passions that can um, not only support ourselves but also help others. That's great, Sabina. Thank you um, for taking the time join us today. I mean, I think everything that you have talked about is really helpful for pretty much anyone in business, not even just the pharma industry. There's a lot of good lessons here. Uh, but before we let you go, um, sure. I'd love to know, since we talked so much about mentors and sponsors, what has been, and you don't have to say who, but what, <laughs> who gave you this, but um, what has been the best advice a mentor or sponsor has ever given you that you live by? I, I will tell you this is this is a big nugget for me that I, I it's not rocket science by the way. 
um, but it brought to light the importance of at least being reminded about it. And so essentially your talent, your work effort alone is not going to lead to advancement. There is a point in your career where your ability to execute on your your job, your your discipline, your competencies is table stakes, right? You have to be exceptionally good at what you do, and that then actually becomes table stakes. And what will make the difference in how you advance are the relationships that you build and how people feel about working with you. And like I said, it's not rocket science, but, you know, spending the time investing in relationships, investing in how you show up and being intentional about that will make the difference in terms of career advancement. That, for me, has been um, one of those things that allowed me to spend time building relationships in order to move forward in my career. Great. Thank you so much, Sabina. That was really wonderful. Well, I really appreciate, like I said, the opportunity to speak with you and with your listeners. I I really do appreciate it, so thank you. And now it's time for this week's leadership tip from Pharma Execs. Hi, this is Sabina Ewing, Vice President of Business Technology from Pfizer. And my leadership tip is that it always starts with your people. It starts and ends with people. So good leaders create psychological safety to encourage innovation and allow their team members and organization members to dream and aspire in a big way. Thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's Farm Exec podcast. We are always pleased to take you behind the headlines, provide expert tips from industry leaders, and give you an inside look at what the Farm Exec staff is working on. Remember that you can always find us on the web at farmexec.com, on Twitter at farmexec, or on Instagram at farmexecutive, and on YouTube. The views expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views of Farmexec, its parent company, or our advertisers. For editorial questions, please email editorial director lisa.henderson at ubm.com. And for sponsorship opportunities, please email group publisher Todd Baker at todd.baker at ubm.com.